Greetings, Webcology listeners. The ecosystem of the web marketing world is always changing. Technology, and more importantly, radio is evolving. Introducing the next evolution of radio technology for web marketers, the webmasterradio.fm mobile app for iPhone and Android. Listen live, download new shows daily, and stay connected through our social media network. Download the webmasterradio.fm mobile app in the iTunes Store or in Google Play now. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 17th of January, 2013, and uh, we have a really tight show today. We only have an hour and we have so much to talk about. On the line, we have Michelle Stinson Ross from Search Engine Journal. Michelle's going to be talking about Facebook social graph announcement, Facebook sort of kind of moving into search. And also on the line, but uh, sitting on hold, we have Cindy Crum uh, from Mobile Moxie. Cindy was. Well, she was one of the first people to start articulating what mobile was going to become. Now we're in mobile. Everything is mobile. Everything is being designed for mobile. I think, uh, Dave. Um, I think you've you've seen with the um, you know, the, the, the announcements of Google Plus, the redesign of uh, Windows Eight, um, the, uh, the the new announcement coming out from <laughs> from Facebook, Social Graph, and a slew of other. Hints and clues out there. We are moved to a mobile environment. You know, I mean, we'll, we'll talk to uh, we'll talk to our guests about this. I'm thinking flash in the pan. Here they yeah. flash the pan. Yeah, <laughs> I want to make their work with them, right? Seriously. Well, not me, but now I have to. That's why I'm hoping it's a flash in the pan. <laughs> <laughs> Never an excuse. <laughs> I mean, here's the cool thing. I mean, the. the the wonderful thing, in the, on the arc of our careers, we just have to make sure everybody else is doing stuff. Really? We can actually, for the first time in my, in my career, I can take a vacation. I can step away from my business. Um, I mean, not like I want to, or that I'm particularly comfortable doing it, but, you know, I have a partner I trust. I have a staff that I trust. Uh, um, it's a... It's a neat feeling, and if it weren't for the mobile revolution in computing, I would not be able to step away from my business. Now I comfortably can. Is it stepping away if you're just taking it with you? Um, you know what? If I'm sitting up in the cottage of Muskoka looking at an iPad and following along with uh, what the staff's doing, but I'm like going fishing in a couple minutes and the staff and doing whatever they're doing because it's what they got to do, yeah. 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 That's as close as I'm going to get ever until the day I return. <laughs> Dude, yeah. well, what about you? I mean, yeah. you and your time, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, in fact, I, I I'll be away. Uh, I'll be away next week, but still working. I'm going to be in Whistler, and and I get I get a, a little lecture every time. But I'll be taking the gondola up and answering emails in the gondola, so I can relax on on my way back down the mountain. Um, yeah, you know, it, 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 
there is a lot of liberty that comes to uh, to take advantage of these these moments that you wouldn't otherwise be able to not just work, um, but you know interact and, and do social and, and you know all, all the all the sort of more entertaining purposes or you know using maps to find out you know as I did yesterday when the when the next bus was coming by right I mean there's there's a lot of nice things about mobile, it's, you know clearly so not, a, week, not a flash yeah. in the pan kind of uh, kind of thing. That next week, so that that loud whistly sound that the live listeners hear—that's you on the gondola. That's you talking. Yeah, exactly. Bluetooth headset, and I'm actually on my way down the mountain. Um, you know, while while airing. So when you hear a, a bunch of foul language, um, that's me uh, and my poor skiing skills. <laughs> you know, when when Google go- when Google goggles totally come out, you'll actually, actually really honest to goodness be able to be skiing and doing the show at the same time. One eye will keep you focused on your on the track that you're in. The other eye will be looking up stuff to talk about next. <laughs> yeah, I have to hang on for dear life as it is while skiing. So maybe staying focused is a better idea. Um. Yeah. Speaking of staying focused, Dave, we have uh, we got we got a tight show. We got a couple guests sitting on hold right now. Um, First of all, I want to bring in Mistelson Ross from Search Engine Journal. She uh, she was following the Facebook announcement live on Tuesday when um, at one p.m. Uh, one p.m. Eastern, uh, ten a.m. Pacific time, and she's written a couple articles in Search Engine Journal in the last couple of days covering what social graph is. So, Michelle Stinson Ross, welcome to Webcology. Thank you. Good to be here. It's good to have you here. Um, what in a quick explanation? I'm reading that Facebook is moving into search. What does that mean? Uh, Facebook's moving into its version of search because this one's going to be not just about the stuff, but about your connections to the stuff. Okay. So I'm <laughs> How about pushing- quick for that one? I mean, I kept that one in a nutshell, man. You did. Very cryptically, very cryptically capped, too. So I'm going to be searching through my connection to stuff. Um, Is this like the nouns, the people, place, and things associated with stuff? Well, just to explain it really quickly, when you log into Bing or Google and you type in a keyword like, um, I don't know, snowshoes, the search engines give you what they think are relevant results to snowshoes, but... Or searching in Facebook, you'll start asking Facebook, how many of my friends own snowshoes? Pictures of friends wearing snowshoes. Places my friends have been to wear snowshoes. But, I mean, you know, I don't, what if I'm, uh, you know, like, I don't care what kind of Zappos uh, snowshoes are out there. Um, or where my friends have been with them. I want a pair of snowshoes. <laughs> how is how is seeing pictures of my friends snowshoeing? Or when I'm when I'm looking up snowboard, I get to see Dave and his kids up at Whistler. How is that going to help me choose a snowboard? It's not so much about whether you're choosing a snowboard or not, but finding the connections with other friends and relationships around the fact that you like snowboarding. Um, this might seem like a silly question, but didn't Facebook do that already? <laughs> yeah, but we're talking about how many users on Facebook now, how many connections on Facebook. This is a way to start calling through just the massive amount of data that currently exists on Facebook and continues to grow. Okay, so I mean, I, 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 
Maybe it's just that I'm in a silly mood and I can't help it, but I like money. You like money. <laughs> they like money. So, and I'm pretty sure pretty much everyone in the world likes money. Oh, so. you bet. And, and for those of us that have Facebook pages about snowshoes, darn skippy. I want everybody finding my page that their friends like because they like snowshoes. Um, I'm going to ask, because also, um, you know, just just happened, um, is being further integration uh, of, of Facebook information into directly into the search results. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with this. Do we do you think it's it's a potential? And because, Jim, you, you bring up a great point that, um, you know, this isn't actually helping me with maybe what I'm looking for. Michelle, you touched on if I do sell uh, snowshoes in, in this interesting and kind of weird example uh, <laughs> it's not a product everybody uses but um in that yes if i sell them this is a great way for me to to pull these people in of course now i'm trying to think of facebook going i want money as 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 facebook you know i mean their their stock's taken enough of a beating since it's it's ipo um so this man so what do since we're, we're seeing these signals of, of bing integrating facebook further do you, do you think that down the road and, and probably in the not too distant future we might see a, a larger integration they understand that hey now I'm actually trying to pull people in who are interested in snowshoes hey let's start firing some ads at them um, and, and then also just tailoring their existing ads a little more for um, people who have now collected other people with these common interests understanding that if I'm collecting people who are interested in snowshoes hey good chance that I'm more heavily involved than it just being a casual interest Sure. Uh, Zuckerberg already kind of nodded to that in that, yes, right now all we're going to be able to search are um, people, places, photos, and interests, but absolutely yes, web search results will get pulled into that mix as time goes on. Remember, this is just the first iteration of Facebook search. It is definitely not going to be the last. I think that's a great point that you bring up there. It's something all of us have to consider. I mean, you know, watching Google for, you know, over a decade now, and I don't go, hey, so this is what their algorithm looks like. All right, let's lock in on it, right? I mean, we all have to keep monitoring. You're right. This is a, a, an early, early step for Facebook. Do you have any predictions or, or any ideas on, on where they might be heading with this, other than just a, a further integration of, of sort of paid options um, for, for advertising or, or ways for them to monetize via, you know, being integration or whatnot? Um, any, any thoughts on your end about where things might go from here? Um, my initial thoughts really are on how this impacts pages and, and businesses right now. Number one, um, the like just became hugely more important. Like I said, I can search for friends who like X, okay? So all of those likes on your Facebook page just became hugely more important. Guess what that means? That means if you want to grow the likes for your page, you're going to have to start spending some money on promoted posts, promoted like stories, all of this stuff that Facebook's already collecting money to do. They just gave us a great big fat reason to do more of it. So would this be one of their core monetization strategies? You, you bring up a good point, and I love the oh, we've got an action you. item for marketers in there. Um, so this is this would be their early monetization strategy, and then develop down the road based on user sort of behavior patterns. Sure, not uh, where to go from here. Um, 
Now, we're, we're, we're going to be chatting through this um, mobile as well, of course, um, because that's you know going to be a, a fairly sizable thing now and, and in the future. How does this interact? How is this going to affect me on the mobile site or on the mobile side of things, or will it? I don't know how much of this is actually going to roll out for mobile just yet. I, technically, they haven't launched any of this. Um, all they've offered us is a wait list. And showed us, ooh, pretty, look at what this is going to do. How they're going to roll that out on mobile, I haven't seen just yet. But obviously, we're already seeing sponsored and promoted stuff within the mobile space on Facebook. I can guarantee you that search is going to be there. How is uh, uh, Social Graph going to affect my news feed? Um, how this... Uh, oh, it's my- interesting, I'm not... I, it may affect your newsfeed. I don't know. I would think that maybe some of the complaints that people currently have about I'm not seeing what I really want to see in my newsfeed, that this much extra picking and poking at Facebook to say, hey, this is what I'm interested in, it may help newsfeed. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see how it actually treats the algorithm overall. Okay, well, um, in our uh, in our private chat um, off of off the air, Cindy Crum just asked, "Will it allow her to block political and religious posts?" <laughs> well, in a way, we can already do that, but yeah, I'm all for it. Um, oh my goodness, am I going to suddenly be like outed as the biggest liberal in the world? <laughs> what you weren't already outed as the biggest liberal in the world, Jim? <laughs> no, I think I was in fourth or fifth place. But now that people have like, will see that I've um, you know liked pretty much everything from Rage Against the Machine to um, well, actually, I, 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 I'm going to confuse the social graph guys because like you know I liked Reba McIntyre too once. <laughs> that. <laughs> well, it's it's darn certain that once search rolls out, that more of your fellow liberals will be able to find you easily. Okay, now does. I think Cindy actually asked a, a really good question that comes to you know one of my favorite topics, public debate. Um, will it limit the stuff I see from conservative, from conservative commentators? I don't see any signs of it just yet. But again, really, we need to see search in action to see what it does to newsfeed and several other ways we get information through Facebook. How can people uh, see it preliminarily in action? Is there a beta? Is there a sign-up? Can we request? Um, There is a sign-up, and there is a demonstration of how it works. If you go to facebook.com about graph search, um, it will give you a little demonstration video. There's also a video from Mark Zuckerberg on how they developed this. And at the very bottom, there's a button that you can click to get on the wait list. Okay, excellent. So Facebook about, do a little bit of research, friends, take a look into it. We're um, we're at the 15-minute mark of the show. This is an opportune time to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be coming back with Sydney Crumb from Mobile Moxie. Uh, Michelle, I hope you can stick around for a few minutes. Um, friends, on behalf of Dave Davis from Beanstalk SEO, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm on the 17th of Recorded on the 17th of January, 2013. Stay tuned. We're back after these messages. So, do you think your internet browser should run smoother? 
Okay, uh, before we do the 10 seconds of silence, before we bring uh, Cindy in, we've got to work in a happy birthday to Brandy and a big love to Darren, okay? Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It's the 17th of January, 2020, and we're joined by Michelle and Cindy Crum from Mobile Moxie. Um, as I said earlier in, the, earlier in the show, Cindy was one of the first people to articulate what mobile was about to become. We're now where she was three or four years ago. Cindy, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. So, it's a confusing time. It feels like everything is changing. The way we relate to computing itself is changing. In uh, four or five quick snapshots, Cindy, what is present today that wasn't necessarily present in the market a year ago, but that is clearly all about mobile? That's a very difficult question. You really put me on the spot, Jim. Why don't you answer that question? What are you noticing? Like, I'm seeing, I'm seeing tablets everywhere. I'm mm-hmm. seeing um, porting on mobile marketing everywhere. Like, I used to be the only person tweeting mobile marketing news or one of the few. And now, like, I have to wake up really early to beat everyone to the punch on Twitter. Like, people, everyone, digital is mobile now. Um, and so that's the big deal. You know, something you mentioned earlier and something in the dev community that, that we've been seeing a lot is building for mobile first. And now um, the search engines and the, the software companies are thinking about building for mobile first. Um, Facebook, uh, maybe, you know, building for mobile first. Or people see mobile as a bastion for potential new monetization. Um, stuff like that. You know, this is why I don't answer the questions myself. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because you just gave a great answer, that's why. And you mentioned seven or eight different things. Um, so I'm standing, so I'm I'm taking a shower today, thinking about how yesterday, the, uh... Thanks for that image, Jim. Go ahead. No problem, no problem. Yesterday I had a electronic water meter installed in my house and it broadcasts to the city of toronto exactly how much water usage i had i had an old analog meter up until yesterday which i would have to go into my basement and read with a flashlight and send a card into the city and then you know they would know how much water i'd consumed and bill me accordingly for it now there's an electronic meter i also have one of those electronic meters on my uh on my hydro on the on the, the box coming into my house, it's it's electronic rather than uh, analog. It too broadcasts a signal to the utility company, telling them how much of the utility I've consumed over the month, so that they can overbill me accordingly. <laughs> so when I was in the shower, I'm thinking, wow, wouldn't it be really cool to have an app that told me what my house was telling them? And Cindy, this is something I was, um, you know, something you said uh, that I'm just sort of hearkening to. We build for mobile first. Everything can be, well, amplified. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about it just this morning is that apps are still sexier than desktop software. And I was thinking, I saw some promotion for some new app that clears your um, online presence off. Um, so it goes onto the web and, like, blocks your all of your, you know, 
stuff from being indexed or something like that. And I was like, why is that an app? It doesn't have to be an app. But then I thought, you know what? People will buy it if it's an app. People won't buy it. They won't buy it. They won't download it. Oh, oh, I see. Because it's an app, because they carry it around on their phone, it can be monetized, where on the computer, it should be free. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or it would just be harder to market because it wouldn't be so sexy. So is the mobile revolution going to change a lot of psychology and marketing? I think absolutely it is. When we see stuff like the social graph coming into our everyday life, that's a a real-time recommendation engine for my daily life. Like, I don't have to work so hard to notice trends in shoes or things that I care about because I can just see what shoes all my girlfriends like and then know that, you know, if I buy these shoes, everyone else will like them kind of thing, you know? Like, it's just real-time social data. It's crazy. And Dave, Dave's sitting there thinking, I just have to open my wife's closet and trip over everything. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you laughing in the background. <laughs> I thought it was a fine example. <laughs> I may have mentioned shoes on every of uh, my webmaster radio. <laughs> it seems to be a theme today. Um, Michelle, I know you're thinking about your trip up to Toronto in March. I'm pretty sure that's where the snowshoes came from. Well, I know I'm talking to two Canadians anyway. Oh, something we can relate to, eh? Canadians from this Reba McIntyre's name. Well, next time we'll make sure to talk about bikinis. <laughs> I can relate to that. Um, there's a Facebook social graph search in there somewhere. You just, you just know there is. Um, I meant to ask earlier, Michelle, is this a stalking app? Holy cow, yes. Okay, so I really can type in middle-aged women who've searched Jim Hedger and, you know, get myself dates from now until forever. Uh, pretty we hope. You can definitely search with me like Jim Hedger, for sure. Okay, yeah, no, that would never... Like you. I don't think Facebook would ever dare publish people's search histories because Facebook was mm-hmm. created by geeky guys stalking girls at their college. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. It's Is funny because thing... it's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, Is okay, this... so how many of you feel just really great that Facebook made a big deal about we're going to respect your privacy when it comes to search? Well, I guess the same question can be asked about Google, eh? Like, seriously. This is um, and this is the whole other conversation, which I think totally applies to mobile and totally applies to social and totally applies to the, uh, to the web in general. Um, privacy is um, – well, it's, it's a massive issue for some. It's an afterthought for others. And if – you know, um, I think a lot of our suspicions about Google Plus are to be confirmed. It's over. <laughs> the, the privacy, eh? Yeah. Well, the concept of privacy has been changed a lot by mobile, and I think that um, it, it will continue to be changed. But I also, I've said this before, I think eventually there's going to be a privacy backlash when um, when the kids of today who've lived their whole life with social networks try and get jobs they're going to realize that privacy might have been uh, like important (laughs) so action item for all you marketers out there take notes take lots of them now while you can (laughs) 
the only employable people in the next generation will be people who are children of marketers who are already going, don't put that up there. No, don't put that up there. <laughs> oh, dude, I am so guilty of doing that with my kids. Yeah, so am I. I hear you. <laughs> Nothing well, you won't be embarrassed about at 30. <laughs> Oh my goodness, I can't imagine anything I did that I would be embarrassed about. <laughs> Some of us shame, Jim. You're rare, Jim. <laughs> Never did understand that concept. Um, it just seems so limiting, you know? <laughs> okay. Um, so privacy is a concern, and privacy is something that we're going to have to learn how to deal with. Um, does... You know what? I think we need to take one of those five-second pauses here and reinsert something. <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to jump in because I have a, a question or just a, a clarification for, for it, some of the listeners. Give it a five-second pause, okay, Dave? Oh, okay. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. All right, I'm going to jump in here with a with a quick question or, or clarification. And Cindy, I'm going to direct this first at, at you. Um, there may be some confusion among some of our listeners, and, and I know early on when when you were first, you know, trying to jam mobile down down into my brain, and you know, I should have listened, you know, four years ago when you were talking about it first. Um, apps 
versus site. Now, we were talking about apps, and they're sexy, and you can charge for them only if they're on mobile. Um, you know, somebody wouldn't pay for it on their desktop. And then, we, you know, we've talked a little bit about, um, you know, sort of mobile-friendly websites. Maybe for clarification, what would be the use of each for our listeners? If you're looking, do I need an app or do I need a mobile website? What would be the application of each one, and why are they different? Well, so the the answer is interesting and the answer has changed because apps and, and mobile sites are growing closer and closer together um, because of n- new developments, HTML5, uh, mobile jQuery, stuff like that. You can make a mobile site that looks and functions a lot like a mobile app. And, and for, for years now, I've been saying, if you have a limited budget, do the site first because the site... Uh, will reach a larger audience because apps are still um, tied to the operating system. And and so you would have to build an app twice, at least, one for for iPhone and one for Android, whereas you would just have to build a mobile site once. So, you know, budget-wise, sites make the most sense. But user, you know, user friendliness and stuff like that, building apps, if you have the budget, apps are still a better experience, but it depends on, you know, what you need to do if you need a really rich experience you still have to go down the app route if you don't need a super rich experience and you're doing something that the mobile web already does really well i don't think building the the app is going to be worth the money in the long run because you're limiting you're artificially limiting your audience but based on what phone they chose to buy last time you know so you, you'd mentioned rich experiences there. What sort of uh, capabilities are available in an app that wouldn't be available? I mean, you bring up HTML5, great example. What can I do with an app that I couldn't do um, with a mobile site? It's getting less and less, um, but the a lot of the um, stuff that was really hot in the early apps, like gestures, like being able to shake, you know, when Urban Spoon was the big new thing and you could shake it and make those dials roll, you can't <laughs> shake so much in in HTML5, although they're working on, on gestures, um, and, and I think that that's not too far away. Um, the location capabilities are limited, but not non-existent for HTML5. Um, if you're, if you're on an iPhone, Flash is limited, um, stuff like that. But it's, uh, it's definitely, the gap is narrowing between what you can do on each. Is it easier to use use apps to, um, track user interaction than it is used, uh, over a website? Um, well, so apps do have limitations in their ability to report behavior within the app. So that's one of the bonuses that you get when you're working with a mobile site is that you get all of the rich data that you're used to getting from Google Analytics um, and, and other analytics platforms. Whereas within the app, it's much harder to get some of those statistics. It's getting better and better, and I anticipate that will continue to improve. But uh, the information you can get from a mobile site is still much better than the information you can get from the behavior in an app. Now, you can request information in an app, and people do tend to feel more comfortable uh, giving some of their information to an app than a mobile site. For instance, baking information, um, they, they feel like it's more secure. Um so, so it just it really depends on what you're trying to do. You know, that's why I'm in business, right? Because it depends. If I say that there's the clear cut answer, then I'm out of business. 
So even if there is. Apps and social media. Uh, Michelle, are you seeing a lot of crossover in the app world when it comes to mobile uh, relationships and social media? Oh, certainly there's a lot of crossover in the app world. I mean, look how often Twitter and Facebook get updated. Facebook now has their main app. They have an app for page managers. They have an additional app for um, Facebook messaging, which now has um, calling available on it. I can actually open up my Messenger app and call one of my Facebook friends through the app. So, yeah, there's tons of crossover with apps and social. Well, and that works, that works with traditional calling and VoIP, right? You can, you can make the phone call like a traditional phone call, but I saw an announcement recently about Facebook and, and voice over IP. Yes, well, it, and it, the it, new update, I believe, is for the voice over IP. I, I, I just got an alert on my iPhone to update yeah. my messenger today, yeah. so that was added already. Now, these are two areas, social media and mobile, where... Most, you know, most people who are, who are privacy um, advocates are the most concerned. Uh, it's so easy to track the individual rather than the IP when you're when you're when you're dealing with social and with mobile. I'm curious: Do mobile social apps receive a higher degree of relevant advertising than I do on my desk or laptop? I'm gonna say no, um, but but that's a tentative, like cautious no, because it does depend. I think that the mobile ad networks um, are still trying to improve, and it depends on what mobile social app you are participating, you're using, and then how much data you've been willing to give them. So um, I've seen um, some mobile, local dating, social. You know, a dating app is essentially a social network um, in, in a way, right? And, and those get some pretty targeted information because you tend to give them a lot of your, you know, info. Okay. But if you hold back on what info you're willing to give to the social network um, or you confuse it um, with cross signals, then it won't be so targeted. The apps themselves, are they starting to sell targeted advertising? Are there any apps out there that people can use on mobile devices, either for search or for social media, that themselves have advertising um, uh, advertising provision? Absolutely. And there are, um, you know, there's AdMob and stuff like that, which sells advertising to app publisher, advertising space in app to app publishers. That's happening and has been um, for a while. But but it's a, a matter of how well are they targeted um, and also how good is um, the experience when you click on one of those ads. And I've seen I've seen it go both ways. I've seen horrible um interactions with ad- mobile advertising from an app, and then I've seen really good stuff. So it just depends. Okay, we only have a couple couple minutes before we go to our next break. Um, so I guess it's, it's, it's can't ask a really in-depth question, but Cindy, you're one of the more astute business people in the, in the search world. If you were getting in today, would you be working in – would you get in the way that you had as a service provider – or would you be making apps yourself? What, what, where would you go? 
That's an interesting question. So I don't think I would be making apps um, because I I do believe that apps are going to fade um, because and. and the market's going to go all to cloud computing and mobile sites um, and responsive design sites. I think that apps are kind of right now the the path of most resistance, really, in the long run. It's hard to do. But um, where I would be if I were getting in the industry today um, is I would be making a software that took desktop sites and made them responsive kind of like i want to be the wordpress of responsive you know site scraper kind of things like i think there's a big gap between all these people who've spent all this time and money building a mobile site and now google comes and says responsive design and now tablets come and say yeah but you have a mobile site but that's not good enough uh there's a gap for business people and it needs to be filled with a software that takes what you've already built and makes it responsive without you having to rebuild or hire a coder or anything like that. That was a truly interesting answer. And friends, there's a webcology action item. Get your engines running. Go, go. Okay. We got to take a break here. We're, um, Rounding up on quarter to the hour here on Webcology. So on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Stay tuned. We're back with Cindy Crum from Mobile Moxie and Michelle Stinson-Ross from Search Engine Journal after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Rise links and web indexes. Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Majestic SEO. Majestic SEO wields its virtual sort with speed and accuracy to deliver detailed reports of your company's link data and that of your competition. Let Majestic SEO make you your own king of internet marketers and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com Maximize ROI to use your time and let Majestic wield its mighty sword. MajesticSEO.com It's good to be king. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Aim clear. This is how you sell with social. Have you tried to do CPA conversions using social PPC and failed? (laughs) You're not alone. These days, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube require true specialists to dominate. (laughs) Aim clear. Brings definitive psychographic targeting, bleeding edge creative, and killer content amplification to the social advertising table. Aim clear. This is how you sell with social. Aim clear. This is how you sell with social. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the host, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. 
Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined by Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO, and we're joined by Cindy Crum from Mobile Moxie and Michelle Sinson-Ross from Search Engine Journal. And we're talking mobile and social and apps and basically where search marketers should be looking in 2013. And I think it's a really good uh place to start the final segment of the show. Michelle, you've been writing to to the search marketing world for almost a year now at Search Engine Journal. What trends do you see being written about, uh, yourself or your colleagues being attracted towards? What should marketers be looking out for this year? Uh, The trend is continuing toward good, solid content and um, this convergence of SEO and social. I mean, Google's forcing us into it. Now Facebook's forcing us into it. Guess what? SEOs, you're going to have to make friends with all those crazy social people. That's just all there is to it. Cindy, how about you? What do you you see happening in the mobile world moving into 2013? Well, I just saw this tweet go by on Twitter, and I love it. Here's my my thought, is that desktop is conquered territory, and mobile is the new battlefield. Um, It's still a bit of a land grab. Um, in a lot of ways. And so I I do see um, mobile technology evolving. I do see Google evolving uh, to reach more of their mobile audience in a more effective way. Um, So many things are happening so quickly. So it's fascinating. This might be a difficult one to throw at you, but how does Google Plus relate to Google's attempts to uh, work with its mobile clients? Well, um, Google Plus uh, looks great on mobile, works well on mobile, um, and has like the Hangouts, which I think when when we see Hangouts become um, the new FaceTime, for instance, where we have vid- digital, you know, video chat happening on a whim, you know, where I can just pick up and have a video chat with you from my car or whatever. Um, that's going to be a big deal, I think. Google, in in some ways, um, could could really make a killing in a totally new way that, that we hadn't thought about the the acquisition or the purchase of um, Motorola. Um, it is huge, uh, and if you read the the Wired magazine about um, about Google and always doing things not just growing by 10%, but 10 times, or making something 10 times better instead of 10% better. I, I see that that acquisition of Motorola and the, the Google Plus um, coming together um, with their Android and, and with some other technologies that are kind of on the verge. Uh, terrifying and awesome at the same time. Dave, are you laughing? No, I would never laugh at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it, Dave, I think I just did. Dave is thinking out loud. What do you think, Dave? Well, I mean, it, it, it's funny because then, then my brain ended up getting a bit distracted, but it was it was on, on Target where I'm like, oh, God, now uh, I'm a bad example now. My... <laughs> <laughs> my, my, every everything we're talking about in, in going into into 2013 and 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 cobbler has no shoes. Um, I am probably the worst uh, the worst example that I could I could put out. So thank you for for pointing that out. <laughs> you know, I got to say that kind of 
Well, that almost confuses me. I'm an old school webhead. I've been working on websites for 20 years. I understand how sites and the web works. Cindy, one of the things that's weirded me out about mobile is it feels like there's a number of different standards to learn. It's not like you can um, work in or design in one standard. There's a multiplicity of them. It's almost like the early days of SEO, except not quite as easy. I totally agree. And that's why I was saying kind of what I was saying earlier in the show about something that, that makes it easy for developers and business owners to address their mobile audience, whether they're on phones or tablets or computers. That's going to be you know, an important landmark. And when we look back in history, we're going to say that was, you know, what happened that made this accessible to everyone. And that's why I made that analogy with WordPress earlier. WordPress, Mm -hmm. you know, made sites so easy uh, for companies to set up. And and I think we need something like that in the mobile space. That's why I was saying if I were starting a company, that's the company I would start. Okay. Um, One of the... Dave, earlier we were joking about how mobile has allowed us to, as business owners, step away from our desks and trust our staff to you know, run the business the way we've taught them to run our businesses. I'm finding the same thing in the um, both mobile and social media space. As I said a few minutes ago, I'm an old school webhead, and I'm finding learning these new environments – I'm not as reacting as quickly and as hungrily as I did 17, 20 years ago when we were, when we were just getting into search. Um, but that's the beauty of having younger people on staff. And so here comes, here comes the question. Now, I'm just, I was lead, this is leading up to a thought or a question. I'm curious how, how both Michelle and Cindy feel about this. Michelle, you go first. Oh boy, what's the question? <laughs> what's the question? Here comes the drum roll. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm working on phrasing it. I'm working on phrasing it. <laughs> There's a generational change in the tone of marketing. And I'm curious the new rules. See, I've learned to communicate in full sentences. I've learned to, I've, uh, learned to communicate with uh, punctuation and using the king's English, because that's what I know. But again, there's a new sense in the phraseology of marketing. How much, is, how much of that is generational? How much of that is technology limiting us to 140 characters? Perhaps that's the question. I'm sure that there is some of that going on. Um, I watch my kids and how much they keep their mobile devices in front of their faces. I'm certainly very aware of how I communicate when I'm on Twitter versus when I'm on Facebook versus when I'm in the middle of a blog. To some degree, I hope to goodness that marketers like us continue to draw the younger generation into a more refined form of communication. In other words, I have a responsibility as somebody who does communicate via writing to write it out in full sentences, to punctuate properly when I can. Obviously, Twitter makes that a little difficult, but Twitter's not the only social network out there. So I'm noticing that the language of marketing is changing. We're shortening it. We're using hashtags and, and other means of moving uh, our, our, our audiences to a central space or to a landing page of some sort. Michelle, is 
the language of marketing truncated because of technology, or is this a generational thing? I think technology is definitely a huge portion of the blame here, Twitter being one of them, um, ha- using hashtags for um, context, for instance. We have 140 characters that we have to do something with, and we can't grab any more without starting another tweet. So, yes, technology is limiting us in some ways. And, of course, the generation that has grown up with Twitter and Facebook, their expectation is toward that kind of language. But we don't have to allow them to stay there. Obviously, Facebook and Google allow us to more fully express ourselves, more elegantly express ourselves. And absolutely, blogging and and our websites allow us to do that. I think as marketers, we have to kind of hold the line on language as writers in those spaces that we have the room to do so. Okay, well, Cindy, how about in the mobile world? Has the language or the way to appeal to consumers changed? And does that change a permanent thing? Yeah, absolutely it's changed. And absolutely, um, I think that it's, let's call it an evolution. I think it's a move forward, actually. I think blame is a really rough word. I count it as in some ways, not entirely, but in some ways it's a blessing. Because if you think about it, um, you look at the amount of information we have to consume in a day or we're expected to to consume or that's even available to consume and the internet has democratized publishing and made uh, anyone able to write their uh, thoughts or to make radio stations about their thoughts you know Mm -hmm. and that's a blessing and a curse so we have to force people to crystallize and prioritize their thoughts because there's no there's no um way to prevent people from you know sometimes publishing lots of stuff that maybe no one cares about but you don't know because you would have to read their paragraph after paragraph to find the the nugget of truth in there i mean even me you know i'm i'm very mobile oriented and i get these long you know eight paragraphs paragraph emails and i'm like oh jesus are you kidding me and i leave it i'll leave it i'll be like i'm not gonna read that right now i'm gonna go have dinner and prepare for this email you know like it's it's, it's not like you're not literate you're a published author yes i wrote a book so i understand like being long-winded or wanting to be um but i also understand the value of crystallization and prioritization and it I think there's another value I'd like to throw in here, curation. One of the things about social media, and I think one of the most brilliant things about social media is it allows us all to be curators of a, or curators to some extent at any rate, of spaces we create. Um, Michelle, I'd love to, I know you could talk about this all day long, especially in relation to, uh, to the new Google+. I want to shift this over to Cindy. How much control in the mobile environment do users have over the information that comes into them into 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 their mobile devices not enough i think that that's part of the backlash that i was talking about earlier that we're going to see there you're still kind of at the mercy of um the the device's blanket rules. Um, so, so like I mentioned, you know, I cannot curate what what 
I do and don't want to see on my Facebook wall enough that I can prevent uh, the religious posts or the the uh, political posts. So I think that there's a lot of room there. That's potentially one of the land grabs is the ability within an app or within a site or um, even for text message marketing to be able to curate and organize uh, when you're given information or what the information is about. So I'm on all these text message um, lists because I do it for research and stuff like that. And for instance, they haven't figured out that because, you know, of my area code, I'm in Denver, so perhaps they shouldn't send me a marketing message at two in the morning just because I signed up, you know, when I was in London or, or something like that. You know, they haven't been able to uh, control themselves enough to, to do that, but also I don't have or I don't have enough. There's some controls on my phone, but not enough of 9.30 and 9.30 or something like that. Unless, of course, it's about snowshoes, in which case you're a Denver, you need them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Cindy Crum from Mobile Marxie. Before we go, you know, you know what's really funny, Cindy? I'm wearing your hoodie today. Yeah, the mobile moxie. I didn't even I didn't even notice it till halfway through the show when I looked down and said, "Oh yeah, Cindy from Mobile Boxy. That's where she's from." Um, okay, so Cindy from Mobile Moxie, who um, gifted many of us with these really warm sweatshirts, um, and Michelle Simpson Ross from Search and Journal. Thank both of you for joining us on Webcology today. Uh, weird show, Dave. Um, <laughs> We will be back next week on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Friends, stay tuned. We got great stuff coming up on the network. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.